Captain Cayman! Greetings, listeners. This is your Captain Michael Cave, and we've got a very special guest on the cruise ship, the virtual cruise ship, this fine Sunday morning for me, afternoon for him. A very old, not old, we're the same age, but old, like we've known each other since 1991, 1992. Friend of mine from back in Norfolk, Virginia, but he lives in Richmond now, Joe Martinez Berry. Joe, my friend, welcome aboard the virtual cruise ship. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Uh, I, I don't believe I've been on a cruise ship other than the Spirit of Norfolk, so. Yeah, you got to change that, man. You got to add that to your bucket list. We got to get you taken care of with uh, the unlimited drinks and the uh, airy fries and just having the freedom to do as little or as much as you want on the cruise ship. And I think when you get one cruise under your belt, you'll find that you don't want to get off the boat. You just want to chill. You know, I could totally see that happening, too, on account of like I frequently like when I take do take time for myself to relax or something it's hard for me to relax and, and the thing is on a boat you can't do anything yeah. you're just on the boat yeah yeah um, that's exactly it excluded obviously but you know yeah you're on a boat yeah no it's it's definitely I've done a cruise twice now and there's some really peaceful moments that you find whether you're in your stateroom and you are just looking at the uh, ocean while, while the cruise ship is just doing its thing at night. You know, you hit, you see the moon hitting those waves and hitting that sea, and it's just peaceful. Depending on who you're with, if you've got a nice drink, that's one thing. If you end up getting the ocean view stateroom, which I would highly recommend, you go out on your back patio, you have breakfast, or you just chill in the evening. And you, if you're with somebody, you get into those deep conversations, man. I'm telling you, you would really joe you would really enjoy it i really do think you would well i mean i'm i'm obsessed with being on the water and so that's cool and yeah man i know i remember being on the boat at night and yeah it was something else of course that was the oil fields in the gulf of mexico though too but and which presents its own you know scenery wow but yeah there's there it just floating there beautiful so yeah Get it, get it on the bucket list, and I don't care which cruise line you, you you choose. You've got lots of choices. You've got Royal Caribbean, you've got Carnival. You know, do your research on that one. You've got Princess Cruises and Norwegian Cruise Lines, all sorts of. And if you want to channel your inner kid, you can do a Disney cruise. <laughs> would be, you know what? Honestly, would be the most tempting to me is if I ever had the chance to do like a cruise around like the mediterranean or the philippines you know what i'm saying oh yeah couple the galapagos Ooh, oh galapagos ooh. islands yeah yeah like amazing. yeah well do the research man it's uh this pandemic will end and i'm sure there'll be some screaming deals to where you can you can make that happen i'm sure you'll meet some cool people every every cruise we've taken we've met some really cool people that we actually wanted to stay in touch with and then there's some where it's just like oh no so the only other tip i'll drop i don't want to spoil your experience is be aware of the whole dinner experience where you get assigned a dinner table and if you find that 
you're not feeling the vibe with uh, your table mates, don't suffer through it. Just opt out and have dinner sent to your room. You heard the tip here first, my friend. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Those types of moments can sometimes be interesting for me when it's someone who is wildly different. I don't know, man. I kind of like hearing like different people's experiences in general. Well, I, you know, here it is. Just like how with the podcast here, mm -hmm. how you like to just hear from just people who might not necessarily ever be interviewed, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's possible for like that. However, it is good to know that if I do need to ditch, there is an escape plan. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, this 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 podcast thing has just been evolving. It's been getting better and better. I've been having more diversity on board and a lot of laughs and just a lot of interesting perspectives. So that's why you're here, because I know you're going to bring the perspectives. I know you've had quite the journey in your 41 years on this this thing we call a planet. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah, let's talk about a little bit of that stuff. One of the things that I found most interesting about you, I mean, you and I have known each other for a long time, and you're one of those friends where we don't have to talk very often, but when we do talk, we cover significant ground, and it's always just mutually satisfying, those conversations. Like, uh, I was back east a couple weeks ago, actually, and you and I connected on my way down to Norfolk, where I was in Maryland, and uh, we walked around Richmond, and we took that long walk and had that great talk, and it, it was just like we hadn't not talked in a while and that's how it should be but we met in sixth grade right and you live you lived really close to saint pius and i used to go over to your place and hang out sometimes after school because i used to catch the bus home and we would play hockey i think in your driveway that was awesome <laughs> yeah we had a great time with that man yeah you were uh I don't know. We were just both young, active kids, you know, athletic kids. And I don't know. Our vibes just worked. Yep. Yep. And uh, I, I I, always, yeah, man, I always loved hanging out with you. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, I think that was when I first started realizing that, hey, you know, it really is important to start connecting with people that you, you vibe with you know you don't necessarily understand why you're vibing but sometimes you just hit it off with somebody and and that's that maybe it was the fact that we were both pretty short back then <laughs> i don't know but we were definitely athletic i know you used to play you used to play indoor soccer and all that other fun stuff and you're really into that but uh at some point you played basketball before me on the pious team and you know you got out of the game but uh i, I played in eighth grade but yeah I, I know that uh we went to separate high schools and you mm -hmm. ended up going to norview and uh i ended up at maury but we still stayed in touch and found times to connect over the years and then after i graduated high school you graduated i would come back to norfolk uh, every it used to be frequently it started out like two two week stints three week stints and then it turned into all right, maybe a week stint every few years and then maybe a couple days stints every few years beyond that. But we would still find times to connect. And then you came out to California at one point. That was cool because we covered a lot of ground. We ended up yes. in uh, Napa. We ended up in freezing San Francisco. And then, you know, we ended up down in San Diego. <laughs> what was the deal? Uh, that's just how it is in the Bay Area, man. It's, it's ridiculously cold. It's eye-watering cold. <laughs> Man, I'm talking about when we went to San Diego, bro. I got uh, off the plane. I remember uh, the, the forecast was like 70 degrees. And I was yeah. thinking, cool, 70 degrees. I'll wear shorts. 
However, there's no humidity there. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. that was a fantastic trip, dude. You and uh, Angelique, man, uh, y'all took us around. We got to see so many cool things. And, you know, just hanging out in general. I had a fantastic time. I know, you know, ex-wife of war, she, she had a fantastic time. It was just uh, really good hanging around y'all. Yeah. Time. yeah, we like to host uh, good friends. And we considered you guys good friends. And uh, we were happy to host you uh, both. And uh, I thought one of the best parts of the trip, to be honest with you, was when we went to wine tasting in Napa and we went to Visatui Winery. I still have that picture of you, man, where you were sniffing the wine and you plugged your ear. <laughs> Is that what I thought? You plugged your ear. I'm like, what are you doing, man? But that's just that's just how you roll, man. That was funny. <laughs> uh, you know what it was? It was probably like how when you're driving and you're lost and you turn the volume down. <laughs> yeah. I'll bet you that's what I was thinking. I don't know. Of course, at the time, too, I was obviously still drinking. And so, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. No, the winery was really cool. And I mean, just seeing Napa was interesting, too, because it was interesting seeing the geography of it and how it did remind me of uh, Tuscany. Oh, know? yeah. Oh, yeah. And the, you know, the climate and the geography just yields the same kind of results, which is, I don't, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a science nerd, so it's like, <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it was a nice drive. And then, uh, yeah, we picked that winery because if you're socializing with people, that's just the place to be. You remember, you, you could stand up, you can go from station to station. And then when you find something you like, you buy it, you crack it open, you know, you buy some food, you sit outside, or you stay inside. It was just great. You know, we got some great pictures of that experience. Glad you, you had a good time. We certainly had a good time. And obviously we've... uh We've stayed in touch since then. And I believe at some point we sent you a care package where we sent you back some of your favorites. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And let me assure you, I'm pretty sure that probably went to good use. So, oh, yeah. uh, no. And I do remember that, that particular winery as well. They just had some pretty grounds on it. You know? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of a, not necessarily a wine enthusiast, but when I go to a winery like that, and I find one that I like, I usually frequent it. I, I, I developed that loyalty. Like, uh, we didn't take you to uh, Amador County, I don't think, but we did, I believe, send you guys back some Amador County dessert wine. There's one called Zanetta. It's got a snowy owl label. And same kind of vibe there where, you know, you have a bowl of nuts and then you're sampling all the dessert wines and you pick the ones you like. And uh, uh -huh. why, why go anywhere else? Like some people like to hit when they go to Napa as many wineries as they can. I'm like, nah, let's go to Visa Tui. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think that a lot of times we want to like try to do as much as possible, right? And so you end up getting that kind of touristy experience of more of like a superficial, you know, just dipping your toes into things as opposed to being able to soak in it. Yeah. Which is fine, honestly. I mean, sometimes you just want to see a bunch of stuff yeah. and, you know, and that's important. But then, like you said, man, it's nice to be able to go to the same spot and just be able to appreciate it and... Well, like I said, soak it in. Yeah. So at some point when we were in San Francisco, we hit up a guitar store because you had wanted to uh, check out some guitars. And, you know, after we thawed out from freezing our asses off, 
And this will mm-hmm. be an explicit podcast, so we can let it fly, by the way. But uh, there's a picture you know. I have in my library of uh, you and I, like, strumming some guitars and stuff but you you've been on quite a a musical journey and you you made that uh, a profession at some point so i'm hoping you can kind of walk our listeners through your musical journey and where you've been where you started out and what you're doing with that now because you 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 went pretty far i'm wow snap dude yeah that's a (laughs) that's a mouthful bro i mean because you know i can look at roots of the musical journey yeah, why not? I was raised by my mom on, she was listening to Irish folk music from like the 60s, like Tommy Makem and the Clancy Brothers, the Dubliners, etc., etc. But she was also into, you know, like that 50s and 60s rock that she grew up with. Mm-hmm. That definitely was in my ear, you know, like your Chuck Berries. Oh, yeah. But more than anything, she was a Beatles head. Ringo was her favorite, but she had like all their albums, even though my uncle sold them at one point. But <laughs> but she still had all these really cool 45s and stuff too, like uh, Buffalo Springfield for what it's worth. You know, there's something happening here. So she had stuff like that as well. But yeah, and then, you know, of course, when here's the thing. I can also still remember riding with my auntie someplace one day and my auntie said, so what bands are you into? You know, like, do you like rock music or something like that? And I said, I don't know. I kind of like rap. And she said, oh, that's a fad. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Right? Yeah. So here we are. <laughs> but yeah, but when you can't touch this game out, man, I was trying to do that MC Hammer. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yeah, and no, I did not do no, it well. No, no. Um, but you know, so I was listening to hip hop and everything a good amount, and then got into that Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction, Metallica, and then Pearl Jam Ten came out. It's like Pearl Jam's still one of the man. They're a bad band, dude. <laughs> but you know, in that whole grunge scene. But at the same time, I was still listening to Naughty by Nature and when Chronic came out. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Doggy Style. Yeah, I was feeling that. But I remember having a conversation one day with my uncle and I was like, man, Metallica has got the best guitars ever. And he was like, dude, you haven't even heard Jimi Hendrix yet. Oh, boy. And so that's when I started trying to check out Jimi with like, I think I got into him with the Star Spangled Banner from Woodstock even. But at that point, uh, you know, I really got into the guitar hero dudes from the 60s. You know, Jimi Hendrix, who is the, he's the father of us. (laughs) He's the father of me all. But (laughs) Jimi Hendrix, Clapton, oh, and Santana. Oh yeah. Santana. And, you know, so I was listening to that and then Stevie Ray Vaughan. And then I was a total weirdo in high school. I remember like me and a couple friends, we were in this music shop and they came out with like, you know, probably this is how we do it. It just come out or something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I came out with like blues classics from the fifties, like Muddy Waters and Buddy Guy and Howlin' Wolf, stuff like that, because that's who my heroes were listening to. You know, so, but at the time, I didn't think I could play music because, like, I got small hands. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense in no way whatsoever, except I guess if you're, you know, 14 or so. But yeah, so 
But right before I turned 20, Santana had released that Supernatural album with, you know, the fucking Rob Thomas smooth. <laughs> but my favorite tracks a lot of times were the ones without the cameos, without the guest stars. Okay. And I, you know, so I dug those, but one of the things I really dug was he was playing the nylon string and the electric. And it just seemed like, wow, that guitar really can do a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I got a guitar. First, I borrowed Bill Kelly's. <laughs> it was Brian who was using it, his younger brother. Uh -huh. But it was his mom's guitar originally that was up in the attic with a tuning machine on the low E string was broken off. So you had to tune the whole guitar to that string. <laughs> <laughs> but I played with that for like a month. And then for my birthday, my mom had grabbed me a Yamaha C100 classical guitar. And I had already bought the Complete Idiot's Guide to Guitar by Frederick Nogue. So I was working my way through that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, but that was when I got my first guitar was right, right about the age of 20. And I don't know, within a couple of years, I'd inquired about lessons one day my teacher suggested that I had already picked up, you know, some pretty good, you know, ways about the guitar. Oh, okay. And he said, yeah, I think you could be a guitar player. And so I was like, okay. And so I kept taking lessons. And at some point he found that I had a talent for being able to finger pick fairly well. Ah. And so he started, yeah. And so he started teaching me classical pieces that he knew, you know? Wow. For the classical guitar, there was, I remember playing the Bach Array from the E minor loop suite, but also his choral works like Yezu, Joy of Man's Desiring, and uh, Sleepers Awake. But I was still learning how to play electric, better, and acoustic, and just strumming and stuff. Mm -hmm. And you know, so I just was playing guitar, and right around. I was about 23 or 24 was when I had proposed to Deborah. Mm -hmm. And over that course of time, we started talking about after we got married was moving to Richmond so she could go to VCU. And I had a friend that I worked with when I was bartending down at the beach. Ah. He, was a, he was a room service busser dude playing sax. And his name's Jason Arce. Okay. And we vibed really well together. He was a couple of years younger than me, but he had just finished his like first year at VCU. And he was just telling me that, dude, you gotta go up there. It's amazing. We were listening to the same stuff, like Soul Live I had just discovered. We we're on the same tip. Jason Arce now has a Grammy, I think, for playing on a BB and CC Wine and gospel track. Oh. Uh, he's been on Dick Clark's Rockin' Eve. He's the sax player for a band called Blood Orange. If you've never heard of them, Blood Orange revolves around the, it, it's like the dude, his name's Dev, and, but he's got like a regular band. And Jason is one of those players. He's, uh, uh, he's played Coachella. Wow. You know? Yeah. So, but we met working at the bar down on 57th Street in Virginia Beach. So, he started telling me about VCU and everything. Deborah wanted to go to VCU. We were going to move to Richmond. 
So I decided I might be able to uh, learn more about music because I didn't have any music education in school. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I felt lacking on that. And so I thought, well, let's learn something about it. Ended up auditioning with a Bach Gavat and a Targa study. And yeah, I got accepted. Wow. Yeah. So, well, I started at VCU in January of 05. And yeah, playing classical guitar and studying music. I was a music major and it was amazing. Wow. Yeah, I told people at the time, which was hard because, you know, I was 25 at this point. My classmates were all 18, you know, <laughs> or most of them were. Yeah, you were cultured. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was working on a job site on 9-11, you know what I'm saying? So I'd already done a little living, yeah. but it was amazing for me though, because I compared it to the B-Girl from the Blind Melon No Rain video. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> you remember, she's walking around the whole, most of the video, you know, like all despondent, <laughs> feeling rejected, she doesn't fit in. And then the pearly gates open and there's this whole field of B-people that you <laughs> go hang out with. Oh. And that's what going to music school was like for me. But yeah, so over the course of music school, got to do some really cool things. I was actually a recipient of the Jesus Silva Merit Scholarship while I was there. Yeah, studied in Italy a little bit with the Italian guitarist Giorgio Albiani. Wow. I got to fly to Berlin and interview the contemporary, my favorite also, contemporary guitarist, composer Carlo Domeniconi. And I uh, wrote a paper about it, and I uh, actually got it published in a uh, soundboard. Wow. Um, yeah, for the magazine for the um, Classical Guitar Association of America or something like that. Carlo Dominiconi. Oh, dude, man. That was, um, yeah, that was, that, that was pretty cool. Yeah, so I graduated, and I had no idea what to do. <laughs> But I ended up getting a job. I was working, doing retail at the Music and Arts. And uh, over time became their full-time guy there. And also just uh, playing music where I could, jamming with people when I could. Right. At some point I decided I couldn't do the retail part anymore. A sales goal was just dragging my whole vibe down. So I quit, but they uh, offered to let me stay back and teach. So I started teaching in 2012 and I taught for that store, two different locations for, it just ended this past summer, this past August. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But the teaching was amazing. Yeah. But also along in the meantime, you know, played some weddings, played musicals, played a couple of musicals. I could have been better, but I did it. Wow. And then I played for my homeboys, uh, cabarets, uh, another cabaret that they staged at the Richmond Triangle Players over here, where it was like the person, they picked some songs and then they had a band. And like, for instance, uh, my friend Brian Baez playing his second cabaret. His first one was called Hail to the Queen, and it was his tribute to female British pop singers. and. 
it was dope. We played some Amy Winehouse. Man, I don't even remember all the cool stuff we were playing. But then his second one, he, it was uh, called Chemo the New Atkins. And it was his story of developing cancer and uh, the uh, process of, you know, getting treatment for it and everything. Yeah. And so that one was amazing. He actually ended up having to add on a second night for that because um, his tickets sold out so fast. But yeah, I got to do stuff like that. The last thing that I was involved with fairly regularly was the radio show in town on a WRIR, uh, the independent radio station. Mm -hmm. And it was, we had a hip hop show and it was me playing guitar. And we started off with like, well, the incarnations of the band changed over a couple of years, but it would revolve, it would come down to somebody was making beats on their setup. We had a few different people doing it at different times. We had Jazz Johnson, then we had my man Jesse doing it, and then we had the Awkward Shaman was doing it for a while. And then we had a bass player, Brandon Rice was playing bass for a while, then there was another uh, dude named Austin Roof. And then one of the rappers, Sanji, would sometimes make beats or play his beats, and then we would jam over that with keys. But we would improvise for like, you know, the show was two hours and we'd improvise for like a solid 45 minutes or so, hmm. take a break and then come back, improvise, run it out for another half hour or so. And we were just making it up as we went along. And interesting. And then, if, well, and then of course we'd have rappers come in uh, to rhyme over it. And I mean, it was nuts sometimes, dude. Uh, obviously this is pre-COVID, but uh, we'd have... 15 people in the studio just this circle of dudes ready to get on the mic and wow uh, kind of like a rap battle that actually happened at one of the gigs we did rap battle broke out cypher <laughs> broke out on the floor for real bro <laughs> it was pretty dope <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it yeah but you know so I've, I've done those different type of uh, uh, playing and performance stuff but lately, um, I've been uh, mainly just teaching. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I've really, I, I really, um, I, I really enjoy teaching. It is yeah. fantastic. I think that's why they let you uh, stay on after you kind of quit. And it, it sounds like your core was telling you, yeah, you know, this sales shit's not for me. I'm out. Mm -hmm. And you got to listen to your core. So, you know, how early on in this uh, voyage, we talked about cruising and what you'll kind of see when you board the ship and you know you get a stateroom and all that stuff and the experience about just looking out at the ocean from your from your balcony if you get a balcony ocean view room so i want yeah. you to do, i want you to do something with me since we just talked about your musical journey so as the captain of this cruise ship i'm going to give you a complimentary ocean view stateroom and uh, i'm gonna join you in your room we're gonna have a cognac and we're going to talk about some of the things that you're, you're going to reflect on with me about, you know, how, what choices did you make way back when that allowed this whole incredible journey that you described? What do you think the choices were the most influential choices that allowed this path to take shape huh. for you? So close your eyes and uh, let's, let's vibe about that real quick. What do you think uh, happened? What did you decide? Hmm. 
I don't know. Uh, well, first of all, I've I've gone ahead and poured myself a club soda. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, right. It's been uh, it, next year will be ten years. But congratulations. Uh, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. <laughs> Let's see. What were the choices? You know. Yeah, we get in the deep waters if you didn't know by now. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it's just it's a good question, so I want to make sure you know I, I really think about it. I'd have to say that the single most, you know, the choice is the choices that were made are really the choices that get made still today, hmm. and it's deciding that I can do it. Yeah, and, yeah. And it, it's or better yet, it's deciding to try. And not to really necessarily go in with uh, hardcore expectations, but just give it a shot, you know, and see what happens. Yep. And so, and that would be uh, me picking up the guitar for the first time. And that would be going to get lessons, going to college, give it a shot. Who knows? Yeah. Playing the musicals. Holy shit. Yeah, that's, that's dope. You want to talk about terrifying oh yeah i was terrified man but i'd have to say yeah it's giving yourself permission just give it a shot man just go out there give it a shot see what happens yeah well, the worst that's gonna happen is it ain't gonna work yep. and yeah i don't know i've uh i've i think i've failed enough in life to where i'm not real bothered at the prospect of failure i don't want to fail but um it's not i know that it's nothing that's gonna end my life you know? yeah this is powerful joe that you're bringing it up because uh yeah i i i have a a knack during these voyages that i i bring people on and you know this is this is real life folks so you're hearing doors creak you're hearing buzzers go off we're keeping it just 100 percent real on this episode but what you just talked about yeah. joe and what you just reflected uh -huh. on with your club soda on ice was uh <laughs> it all comes down to vulnerability you allowed yourself to be vulnerable you allowed yourself to fail you allowed yourself Thanks. to be open to the prospects that you know where you end up might shock the hell out of you and everybody else but the fact that you got accepted to vcu music school the fact that somebody noticed a hidden talent that you had and i remember your fingernails your thumb in particular it was a finger picking thumb no doubt uh oh, somebody yeah. somebody saw something in you and then they nurtured it and then you start playing these complex pieces you know that require talent i'm sorry and uh you found uh out that you were going to like teaching you know and that you didn't like sales and that's what being vulnerable allows you to do it allows you to settle on what you're good at what you're not good at what you like and what you don't like so i think that everything that you have shared is just the cat's meow that's just what i want our listeners to realize is that you know the worst thing that can happen when you try things is that it doesn't work out that somebody says no you know like you could have not got accepted to vcu and you would have been like eh, at least i tried at least i didn't have this lingering what if over you know the what if cloud over my entire uh existence and future so you know bravo man i i, I was just really excited when i saw you went abroad and you were studying in Italy and you were getting exposed yeah. to all of these things, man. Oh, and ladies and gentlemen, listeners, this is the Norfolk accent. You've heard it. 
I'm sure you could tell the little, <laughs> you know, but this is the Norfolk accents. You know, when you hear I'm my, it's, it's ma, you know, you know, it's that's the Norfolk accent. So I'm really, you know, glad to have you aboard talking about your musical. <laughs> I also want yeah. you to get into bartending because, you know, you introduced me to the whiskey sour. Yeah, it's a basic drink, but it's delicious. Oh yeah, it's fantastic, man. Uh, I used to, that was probably one of my first drinks, if I had to say guess. Yeah, man, bartending's been fun. And yet again, that was something where I, that was something where like I I kind of had to make it happen a little bit because it you know it didn't come right away. I, uh, I I it was through benefit of uh, knowing the right person who gave me a shot. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I did daytime bar at the hotel bar, man, and it was, <laughs> yeah, it, it was not a lot of money. But and then over that winter, he kept me on one night a week, and it was Sunday night, and it was just ooh, that was lean times. I think it up waiting tables at Olive Garden at the same time. On then. So it lit up the schedule a little bit more next summer. So I was getting evening shifts. So I was making more money. Mm-hmm. But yeah, over time, the bar it, it seemed it seemed to work for me fairly well. I uh, I've had a lot of fun bartending. At this point, I've been doing it for twenty years. Yeah, no, I've been doing this for twenty years. I've been bartending for twenty years, minus the pandemic here, minus the pandemic here, yeah. because last year the national that was the last time I was behind a bar. But at this point, I mean, it's a totally comfortable thing where, yeah, I'm trying to get, you know, because we deal in volume at the National. It's a concert venue for your listeners who are unfamiliar with Richmond, Virginia. But it's a concert venue in downtown Richmond, about 1,500 people. And the name of the game is volume. People want to get the drink, go see the show, get the drink, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to do every transaction in an under a minute if I can. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it's such a cool thing there too because the people who've been there, they've been there for years and years. So it's its own little family that we got there. It's been a rough year. We actually, not from the Rona, but we did lose like three security guards. Um, one of our own bartenders, we lost him a couple years ago now. And that was a big hit, but uh, yeah, it's 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 a family down there. I I'm chomping at the bit to get back in there just because. Um, well, I miss the people mainly. Oh yeah, um, I'm sure well, you meet I, a lot I, of cool people bartending. <laughs> I mean, you do, you do. I mean, especially if you can be open to letting people be people, yes. you know, and like not trying because it can be easy to get perturbed at times but um yeah if you just let people be people and um you know take it as it comes yeah i love the job man it's cool it's fast paced you know it's cash money at the end of the night yeah so here's a question for you about that i have a couple questions about bartending because it's just a fascinating uh industry to me you know i guess the, the new term for bartenders is mixologist you know I, oh. don't know I don't know yeah i don't know i don't know if i like that term bro i don't know if i like that term but here's my I first, hate it yeah here's my first question about bartending so it, it might seem like a, an obvious cliche question but what in your opinion makes a good bartender is it uh you know 
doing up people right as far as uh, the quantity of booze in the drink or is it just uh not needing to flip through an iphone app or uh, a mobile app to know how to make a drink putting your personal spin on it i mean like the drink making part is just man that's just what you do and honestly it's usually not very labor intensive I mean, there's the craft places that I've worked for. Well, not craft, but you know, there's some cocktails you guys sit there and shake, whatever. But I mean, I work in plastic now. <laughs> Most of the drinks I do are whiskey, ginger, uh, vodka tonics. You know what I mean? Yeah. What makes a good bartender is, well, it helps if you're quick enough to do it. You know, uh, being efficient at it so you can get stuff out quickly. Because if you're working in a restaurant, you've got your bar guests, but you probably also got cocktail tables and, uh, of course, the dining room. Mm. And so it can be a juggling act of serving food, serving drinks, serving the servers uh, for their tables. But uh, usually what keeps a bartender in their job is a good attitude. You know? Mm. Interesting. I mean, it, and I think that efficiency is huge but mainly it's also just being able to listen and just connect with uh, people connect with customers uh, connect with guests rather and it's not like for me it wasn't like a um it wasn't something that i really had to learn i don't know it's just the person i am like we talked about i enjoy just hearing from a lot of different walks of life so it's yeah. nothing for me to you know it's like hey you know what's up man you know and because i do have i've worked a lot of different jobs yeah and i've somehow found myself in a lot of different circles over yeah. the years yeah it's uh i can usually find something to relate to in everyone you know mm-hmm. yeah that's important uh, yeah, it's a, but I, th- I really think like that's the biggest thing, though, is, you know, just being attentive yeah, and efficient with your time, oh, which is crazy because my ADHD, as a general rule, I am not efficient with my time. But behind <laughs> the bar, I am. It makes sense. Like, yeah. I'm able to move in that fast-paced environment. So. Yeah, you're, you're channeling that, that extra energy, you know? Absolutely. And you're, you're, you're using it to influence the outcome that benefits the customer. You know, so yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. ultimately, that is the thing for me is that you know, well, with any luck, I'm one of the better parts of their day. Oh yeah, that, you know, I, just yeah. being able to I relax. Can see that. Yep. It, it, it being able to maybe even relax in silence who knows and that's um, kind of like playing to the crowd you know you know somebody there's a high likelihood that somebody's just looking for a positive experience and you can be that through you know your product you can be that and your product's not just what you pour your product is what you talk about do you listen more do you offer it I don't know, unsolicited advice, or do you just put them in a, a better place? So, you know, it's not just pouring a drink, being a bartender is what I'm hearing. It's like kind of like a life cycle. It's you, you have a starting point, you have an ending point. And there's all these things that could happen, like other people joining your conversation, you know, to the left and to the right of that customer you're serving. And then you're playing to that whole crowd. And ultimately, it could produce a big tip for you or uh, a connection. Right, so I'm sure you met a lot of people. Yeah, I, <laughs> the, 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 the behind the bar, you know, it's like um, 
they talk about artists. They're the most dangerous people in society because they move among every strata of the uh, of your society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's very similar with Baldwin. You know, some days it's a uh, uh, you know it's Budweiser and a bourbon for some people, and some people for them it's a um, you know, extra dirty Grey Goose Martini. Tell me if I went to a bar. Yeah. And I, I asked you, hey, man, how you doing? Make make me an old fashioned. What's the first thing you're going to say? And then tell me the ingredients you're going to use to serve me up that old fashioned. What are you going to do to put the Joe Martinez Berry spin on it? Man, I just keep it simple now anymore. I, I You know, there was a time when I first started bartending when I was all about, I'm going to make a new drink every day, something like that. <laughs> And then after a while, it's just, eh, I can do that. But, you know, I, I'd rather if someone already knows what they want. But in <laughs> old fashioned, the first question, you know, is, uh, you know, do you, what type of bourbon or whiskey do you want? Woodford Reserve. Good choice. Fantastic choice. That's a, that's a high quality bourbon. Damn um, right it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is, man. Ain't cheap. No. <laughs> But let's see, because it's been a while since I've made an old fashioned. Because, like I said, everything's in plastic and basically vodka tonics and whiskey gingers. But the way that I used to make it was I would take an orange slice, maraschino cherry, mm. uh, a little bit of sugar. I'd muddle that together. And then I'd throw the ice in. Then I'd pour your whiskey in there. You know, what is it? Shot shot and a half mm-hmm. and then put a little bit of sweet vermouth i don't like putting oh. uh, uh, nice maybe like a dash but some people do prefer a little more sweet vermouth which i think is madness <laughs> but so but as a general rule yeah it's like a less than a quarter ounce of sweet vermouth in there mm-hmm. and then um yeah that's it that's, that's it yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I've uh, kind of been on a journey with old fashions. A colleague of mine where I work uh, got me turned on to him. And I've just that's my number one. My number one is now an old fashioned. My number two is a Washington apple martini. Uh, number three is a lemon drop martini and uh, whiskey sours kind of slipped down to number four. If, uh, you know, I, I just I just want something that's reliable, tasty, cold. Uh, but the old fashioned, yeah, that's my jam, man. And I, I make them at home now. I've got everything. Uh, I got this syrup called proof syrup where it's got the bitters and all that fun stuff. The uh, oh, the, the bitters, yeah, bitters. Um, I did muddle bitters into I did I included bitter, bitters, usually one dash into the muddle first. I did forget to mention bitters. That's how long it's been since I've made an old fashioned. Yeah, well, no, I, I could tell, but uh, I, I could tell by your reaction, oh, bitters, that you knew how important those bitters are because, you know, vermouth's nice, but the bitters, you know, it's like the orange bitters, the agnostica bitters, uh, all that stuff just makes it, absolutely makes it. Yeah, that's the flavor right there. Is the that's the, that's the flavor. Oh, you know, I've had some bad ones, Joe. I've had some really bad old fashions. And the, the worst ones were when I asked the bartender, uh, you make a good old fashioned and when they say I make a mean old fashioned run, you know, don't even order it, man. Seriously. 
it's when they just do it that it's just perfect uh typically yeah it, it, I, I don't feel a need to brag on my cocktails because i mean i've been no nah, i'm past that point oh I, yeah i'm maybe, yeah <laughs> I yeah. just do my thing. Let you but, do your thing. But you got the personality, Joe. I mean, uh, I could see uh, fully intending to go into a bar where you're working just for one drink, and then we we get to chat, and the next thing you know, I'm I'm three in. And I'm not a big drinker, but uh, I would just stick around and buy more just to keep chatting with you because you know you're always so insightful, which I've always appreciated, and uh, you just you would do well in Amsterdam. You know, just in a, a bar or a coffee shop, you know, you would fit right in. You really would. Oh, my God. You know, I've been to Amsterdam once and um, I, I do remember it was powerful cold. However, <laughs> I had never even considered that. Man, now you've got me with a whole new set of wanderlust going. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, bucket list item number two. So bucket list item number one is a cruise. And definitely if you can make it an international cruise where you start somewhere else other than the U.S. of A., you probably would get more out of it, I think, spiritually and just, uh, yeah, all that fun stuff. But yeah, Amsterdam, go into a bar, go into a coffee shop. I think just you would let me tell you what your experience would be just because i know you so well you would find a place off the beaten path and then you would find someone that you, you're vibing with you know like you talked about uh yeah. you know your uh signs or whatever we were talking about when we were walking you found somebody that had the same stuff as you and i don't know if it was a chinese new year thing or what you were talking about but uh you would find somebody like that and then there would be some music playing that would just really speak to your soul like holy shit man and you would stay like five hours in that bad boy <laughs> you know. no entirely so i agree with you man um i i i have a tendency of uh running into and meeting interesting people um yeah it's been the pretty consistently um over the course of my life why do you think that is another tough oh, question yeah. <laughs> Yeah, why is that? You know, uh, probably because I don't know why. Let me see. And I want to give it some thought. So, yeah, why why is it that uh, you think that you meet such interesting people? Is it the energy you're putting out there? Or is it just, uh, yeah, you just connect? Well, <laughs> after thinking about it for a second, I firmly believe that, like, pretty much everyone you meet in life is a potential teacher it's up ah, to you when yeah. you take the lesson that they have for you you know sometimes sometimes it's not a pleasant one but I, I i like to think that there's something that they've seen that i hadn't thought about so and that kind of is in a way, it's derivative of, I'd been listening to a lot of Alan Watts about a year ago, and Alan Watts was a uh, Anglican priest who exposed, uh, he wrote a lot, and uh, he left the priesthood because he discovered Zen, Zen Buddhism. And one of the things he gets into is that that you are, you are, 
who are the universe as opposed to being something separate from it, something that's in the universe. Hmm. And as such, you are an aperture wherein the universe gets to experience itself. Oh. So if you think about every individual that you meet as being another aperture of the universe experiencing itself, then that means that they've got another viewpoint, another experience of this world, this universe reality that that can give you just a little bit more insight into its nature, its ultimate true nature, you know? That is very deep. Yeah, I love that. I Jesus. Love that. <laughs> got me thinking. <laughs> oh. Well, you know, like one of my favorite words is um I don't know how to pronounce it if it's sunder or sonder, S O N D E R. But it uh represents the experience of like if you were to look at a city skyline and you were to think about each light in those buildings has got people in it that have this, that have hopes dreams and fears and an entire life that they've lived they've got their whole the same way that you do but it's that feeling when you can observe that or like if you're taking off or landing in a plane and you see cars driving down the road it's like wow that person is going somewhere mm-hmm. and they're leaving somewhere else and who knows where it is you know who knows where they're going and who knows where they've come from and so uh yeah that ties in nicely with the whole way of thinking about it and he also talks about how just like the ocean has waves the earth peoples you know and has trees and everything mm-hmm. so yeah. we're all part of the same thing yeah that's pretty deep man good no so yeah so I think that that leaves me open to hearing a lot of experiences but also I've got a real fascination with so many different things that I I've gotten myself into a lot of places where I didn't necessarily expect to be as yeah. I was open to it and then oh well what would that open up who knows yep now as to why people talk to me that i think would probably be a question better directed towards you because like i remember like taking a bus to new orleans once and i was sitting next to this woman and then she just started telling me about her life and she was telling me about how she was in recovery um off of like um man I believe it not have been even in my heroin or something but she was just telling me about you know like all her experiences and uh I don't know I was just listening and honestly it's not like I could I didn't really feel any impetus to judgment but I don't know why she decided to tell me a whole bunch of stuff you know <laughs> yeah. um, but I was willing to listen and just say wow that's just crazy. <laughs> well, I think we broadcast what we broadcast and sometimes people pick up on that frequency and it makes us kind of a conduit of sorts for them opening up and mm-hmm. you either 
have some boundaries up or you just say you know what fuck it i just want to listen to what they're saying and maybe maybe this is my purpose for today or maybe this is my purpose for this month to be this positive aperture for this person hey i like that word joe aperture wow yeah aperture is a good word it means i think it means it, it has the it's the space that the camera closes to i yeah. guess to yeah. Okay. Yeah. It makes me think of my kid. Like uh, I, I, I can't even see the world through their eyes. They're my kids, you know. And I just wonder what's going through their head, you know. But it's their universe. It's their version of the universe. It's their journey, and I can only influence it so much before it's like, hey, I can give them everything I can for them to know how to navigate their time on this planet in this universe but i cannot connect to them and see the world through their eyes it's, it's very when you're young as you know beautiful how innocent they are yeah 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 well i think that you can in a way i think it's that you know you, you, like you say you, you you can't see exactly what they're seeing but you can remember what it was like fighting with your sister. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so in that respect, it, when Christopher and uh, Michaela or Emma, if they are in a row over something, you know, um, you can still empathize with the emotions that they might be feeling based off of how you might have been feeling if you were ever in a fight with Mo. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. So I think that the feelings are constant. You know? Yeah, um, that's true. Sadness feels like sadness. Joy feels like joy. Um, fear feels like, feels like fear. Um, Say that five times fast. Let's go. There's life fail. But that's the thing that you can relate to them with, though, is that um, you know what it's like to be scared, and you know what it's like to be sad, and you know what it's like to be happy. Yeah. And I think that that's what connection ultimately is about, is, you know, just letting yourself... Uh, um, you know, un maybe it's understanding the feelings that another person might be feeling. You know, because you can't, you don't know what they're feeling, obviously, because as we said, it's their aperture, their eyes, et cetera, et cetera. But you, um, you know, being open to their differences in how they might feel, I think that would help in so much as that's what creates maybe that's what creates the space to um allow for that connection is being open to it you know yeah but i'm gonna call bullshit on something you just said where uh, you kind of gave me credit for the aperture but that's all you bro i mean that was some deep shit right there and uh, we're in deep waters but good god joe i mean uh, i think that's one of the most exciting things about this podcast is uh, the amount of ground we're covering and this is the kind of stuff that in all the years that you and I have known each other, man, we've always been able to, even as young kids, talk about a lot of different shit and uh, cover a lot of ground, mutual respect, uh, you know, respect for we walk different paths in this life. But when we come together, 
You know, we, we talk about what's real. I liked, to be honest with you, when we were walking around Richmond, uh, that that big loop that we took, uh, you know, you started telling yeah. me about the Richmond culture. And, you know, when you had originally said, oh, I don't know, to my first question, I think you did know. And you, you offered up all this solid gold as far as uh, deciding to try and having low expectations, and, you know, being kind and easy on yourself and also just uh, seeing what happens. And you know how Norfolk is. If you don't leave, you might not leave. And sometimes that's OK. You know, it's a nice uh, place to grow roots, but you chose to uh, mutually a mutual decision, of course, but you mutually decided with the board hey, Richmond's where we were going to go and, uh, you know, we'll see where this thing leads and it took you on this incredible music slash bartending slash uh, meeting all sorts of people from all sorts of walks of life journey and all because you allowed yourself to be vulnerable, you weren't afraid to fail you realized that anybody I come in contact with, I can learn something from them, even if it's just a different perspective. You know? cool. And uh, that's why I think it's very powerful what's going on on this virtual cruise, because it's like, it's deep stuff. It's, uh, you know, you're an old soul. I think I'm an old soul. And, you know, we're talking about connections full circle. Last two, three years for me have been about reimagining connection mm. and uh, I've met some incredible people along the yeah. way and I've gotten to know them. They've gotten to know me better. They see that I'm about a lot of different things and vice versa. But these were people that were on my LinkedIn friends list and connections list or whatever you want to call it. And I didn't really know them. So I made the investment in getting to know these people. And man, it's been a real treat. It's been a, a blessing and uh, to learn about people's journeys and hopes and dreams and where they've been in their lives and you know, how they connect with people. And yeah, I think it's great, man. So I think you're right. You'll continue to meet these people that just pour their heart out to you, even if it's not from behind a bar. It's just, you put out that kind of energy, my friend. I appreciate that, man. You know, and I, I think that, like, I know that. And I, I think over uh, the last couple of years, it, it's kind of like, um, I, I'm, uh, I'm, adapting my viewpoint a little bit into seeing that not just as a thing but you know that's one of uh the 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 things i can show gratitude for that's a gift you know yes, it is a gift i appreciate and and i want to respect it you know and i think and probably the best way to respect it is still to keep being open and just, um, well, probably just keep doing it how I've been doing it. But, you know, I don't know, just kind of uh, be respectful of it in so much as, you know, make sure to feel and show gratitude for it. So, yeah, it, but all, so I've been like trying to. The whole gratitude thing is pretty important to me lately. I'm sure that you probably can relate yes um, i can and i think uh maybe it's like learning you know because i don't know about you but i've been on this whole trying to figure out this self-love thing <laughs> over uh over the last few years and uh i think i'm um like i'm getting it you know what yeah, i mean yeah 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 i get it and uh i think that uh that's something that i appreciate about myself is that well, that's kind of cool, uh, you know. I, I I like that about me. 
Yeah, this so, is what I bring to the table. This is how I can make the world a better place, you know, one connection at a time. Uh, and yeah, you mentioned gratitude. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you as far as gratitude because I didn't have a, a stretch of good years for a while. Even when I was at Pius, you know, there were times where we were really poor. <laughs> I mean, really poor. Like, I don't think many people at Pius knew it, but we were struggling sometimes, you know, and it was like uh, all those things happen for a reason. And, uh, you know, the other thing outside of gratitude and being grateful for what you have, no matter how little or how much is mindfulness. And I know, given your spiritual journey that you've kind of touched on, that you know a lot about mindfulness and, uh, you know, finding the beauty in things and uh, being sensitive to uh, someone's situation like that person that just poured her heart out to you. You know, there was a reason why she felt comfortable doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I don't know how much I know about mindfulness. And the, uh, I would love to just preface that with saying that it's, um, I, I, I can't say that I've read, I've probably read a little bit, uh, possibly more than some, less than others. Um, and I can't say like I can see my mindful way workbook sitting on my bookshelf over there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm on my page two or three of that. Um, but there have been things that have stayed with me. Like um, um, before I left Norfolk, I remember meeting at a, a sang sangi uh, sangha. I don't know how you pronounce it, but it's like the community of Buddhists similar to the Christian church group, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I remember that was probably the first time I ever heard the term mindfulness. They were all on the uh, Vietnamese monk uh, Thich Nhat Thanh, is how I believe you pronounce his name, but hopefully someone will correct me if, I don't, if I'm wrong. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, he was definitely talking about mindfulness, and this—he—he's um, an old man now. He, you know, I think, believe he's in his nineties. Um, and this was the early two thousands when I went to this meeting, and uh, we meditated the whole time. That was it. Um, but at one point, we did a walking meditation where we walked around the little courtyard behind the house that was in Ghent down in Norfolk. Mm -hmm. And um, the idea of mindfully walking, that was new to me at the time. Yeah. And uh, I was kind of fascinated by that. Um, but then, yeah, because I've been kind of on the Buddhism thing and like picking up stuff here and there since I was like 13, 14. I was probably 14 or 15. Yeah, that's about the, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and it, you know, for more of a dilettante level of knowledge about it, um, but, uh, so I don't know, I've been onto that for a while, but a lot of the mindfulness also has come out of my experiences with teaching though, too, with teaching mm. talk. Yeah. Um, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Because, um, like, uh, I'll give you a for instance, I had one student and when he would come in, 
he would just go to town. I was going to like, you know, and I was like, um, and to me, where I am now, I can see that whatever comes out of the person in front of me, their instrument, that's what's going on in their mind at that given time. Hmm. If it's coming out relaxed and smooth, they're feeling relaxed and smooth. However, that's not as often the case, especially with my more beginner students. Um, it's usually uh, coming out more as like, um, and no judgment, you know, because we all have to learn at some point at our own pace, but it will frequently, the beginner student, it will come out like a gibberish of like moving the fingers, you know, of like finger exercises. Mm. They'll learn a they'll learn a lick or a guitar solo or something like that, and um, uh, frequently the rhythm isn't really there. Um, when the notes should happen, they're not happening at the right time, and it's because it's a finger exercise basically, where there's no it's something that their fingers are leading their brain rather than the other way around oh, okay. and that's where mindfulness comes in is like slowing it all down to the point where you can just listen to a note and count at the same time you know just being able to hit that low e string and go boom one two three four one two and be able to hit it on one right yeah that's when you're making music right there mm. oh interesting but uh yeah but and it's fascinating it's um well you play guitar i used to i i kind of have moved on to piano wife always made fun of me of oh you never really finished a song i'm like eh. I just get bored with it and you know I always tried stuff too complex and stuff but yeah I used to play guitar I still have one oh well, and here is where um, I think that I've gained a little more insight is that um, usually it's because um, the student or the musician is we want to just play it at yeah. tempo yeah. and we want to be there and so but the thing is is that um it, it's like you want to get it done you know what i mean yeah but um it's hard to acquire music that way um when you're just looking at the end goal you have to be able to sit with a part of it repeatedly, you know, mm. and let it keep going. Um, and you have to listen to yourself, you know. But more than anything, you, um, you is that usually people will just play too fast, you know. Uh, you know, you tell them to slow down, and it's hard to conceive of that, of slowing down. Like mm. it challenging to play at 40 beats per minute, mm -hmm. 30 beats per minute. You think yes. about 30 beats per minute. 
That's the click of the metronome every two seconds. That's slow. It is slow. It is crazy slow. Um, however, like, um, when you're playing that slow, that's what allows your hands to learn when to move and how to move. Aha. Yeah. And, um, it's kind of like, uh, if you've ever played, you know what? Anyone who has ever played Guitar Hero has done this. <laughs> when you have it on the easy setting, there's less stuff coming at you, and it's mm -hmm. at a slower pace, right? Yep. yep. So that's what the metronome is doing. Timing. It, yeah, it's bringing it down. Um, and that kind of ties into uh, like a good definition of music I heard was it's decorating time with sound interesting yeah that's true and it, it it comes back to connection now that you mention it if you're jamming through something that's not meant to be jammed through like you're playing at too fast a tempo a teacher that knows how it's supposed to be played is gonna know that and they're gonna call you on it but it proves that you're not making that connection you know and you're gonna make more mistakes because you haven't built that muscle memory up yet so you're right and i mean to take it a step further, and by the way, this is what my students get all the time. They get this hippie stuff, man. <laughs> but I always tell my students that um, you're moving from the bigger muscle groups. If you, What you want to do is you want your posture to be good to allow the energy to flow through your body. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you mentioned the word connection in relation to this. Yes. Because I'm telling my students to play from their Dian Tian, their lower Dian Tian. Uh, that's, now, here's the interesting thing. That is something that comes out of um, the uh, Chinese traditional medicines, um, I think, rooted in, like, Taoism. I could be uh, easily corrected on that. <laughs> um but uh, the lower Dian is like where your power emanates from. And it's a spot that's like two inches below your navel. Now, now, the interesting thing about that is that's also roughly around the same area as your sacral chakra, mm -hmm. considered chakras. But here's the thing that anyone who's uh, um, that I think you'll enjoy also is think about when you're guarding someone playing basketball, soccer, football, anything like that. Yeah. They yeah. always tell you to look at their belt buckle. Mm -hmm. Right? Because that's the direction that they're going to be going. I got that lesson from my uncle Ronnie years ago. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, and so that's all the same spot. And if you play every single note with that connection to that spot, they're going to sound pretty good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's that's that really comes back to what we talked about earlier. It's allowing yourself to be vulnerable. It's allowing yourself to be imperfect, to surrender to that feeling, and that takes a lot of trust. And uh, but you're trying to build the foundation for the connection because when I see sheet music that 
was composed by somebody, mm-hmm. you know, some famous person, you know, Beethoven, Chopin, Johannes Franz, all those different people. Um, you have to put yourself in their shoes at some point and feel the music and feel where they were going with it. Mm-hmm. And the best way to do it is to listen to how they played it at first and, you know, or some uh, expert person that recorded it did it so you could feel it because it doesn't make a lot of sense where, hey, shit, man, they played that fast or why are they playing it so slow? I want to play it faster. No, you have to play it like they played it because it made it onto the the sheet. The music made it onto the sheet for a reason at the tempo that it is for a reason. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So yeah, that's why there's a, a, a real strong connection between uh, music, frequencies, connections, all the other good stuff. And that's why music makes you feel a certain way. Yes, absolutely. A sad song is gonna sound like a sad song. Yep. Regardless, regardless of the language, right? Yep. There's a really cool track I'm gonna send you, all right? Okay. It's called Boy, it's by group called Shakti and okay. uh okay. the guitar player is named John McLaughlin alright but every time I listen to that I think about the title Joy and uh it's in um like a classical Indian Carnatic style um kind of derivation and um so it's got tablas going um and a violin playing but they're playing more of you know, that Indian rock style. Um, but the name of it is Joy, and I swear to God, now whenever I'm riding down the road listening to it, I'm Joy. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, I look forward to it. And actually, uh, yeah, if you send it to me, one thing that we can do is include it in the, as a link in the podcast episode so uh, our listeners can make the connection full circle you know i think i'm arriving at our title here for this episode but uh one thing i want to do uh, we've had a couple ports of call here where we've actually talked about cruising we've talked about a lot about music and bartending and a little bit about your spiritual journey how about the last port of call before we uh, dock this uh cruise ship how about you tell me a little bit about richmond like what what makes i've heard a little bit about richmond from a couple different people but what what makes richmond special and what makes richmond home uh for you and just tell me a little bit about richmond very historical city yeah, well yeah i uh, very much so um richmond's a cool town man uh i stayed here originally um after school for the music scene and the food scene you know okay um the music scene it supports some extremely high caliber talent um i we have i have a one friend who i teach or who i used to teach guitar with we uh shared the same studio uh, but we also went to school together. Um, he was talking about a friend of his who moved out west. Um, don't quote me on it, but I think it might have been in Colorado. But um, when he talked to him about what the music scene was like where he was, um, he said that that there are some heavies where he was. But he didn't realize how 
thick Richmond was with guitar playing heavies. Mm. Um, and I think about, you know, guitar players that I know around town who flat out can make me look silly any day of the week. Hmm. And, um, wow. The, I, any day of the week. I mean, DJ Williams has been touring with Carl Denson's Tiny Universe, a wildly popular uh, jam style funk soul band for the last five, six years. He was one of the first people I met in Richmond, too, was DJ. He actually came to one of my recitals, actually, with Dusty Simmons, who's a drummer in town. Dusty and DJ have been playing together for years, but Dusty was recently touring um, after recording um, all the or the drums on Chris the Chris Jacobs album that came out a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Chris Jacobs is a dude from Baltimore. He's a country uh, singer, guitar player. Wow. Dope guitar player. Dope guitar player. He is killing. But he's got uh, Dusty and then playing drums and then the bass player Todd Harrington has been playing with DJ since back in 2004 I think they all got started um, and these are dudes I've known for years and like you know Carl Denson's Tiny Universe Carl Denson he was the sax player on Stones Tour I think a couple of years ago mm-hmm. um, that Chris Jacobs band the one that Dusty and Todd are playing bass and, and drums for or were uh, I, I think they still will be they've been um you know that album was about, written up in rolling stone um lucy dacus or dacus i'm not sure on her pronunciation i think it's dacus um she she got a lot of press in rolling stone um another a uh, woman named uh, that's was within the past year before the, right before the Rona. We were hearing about a young lady named Angelica Garcia, and she was getting interviewed on NPR. Um, I've seen at least three bands that with people I know personally on Tiny Desk concerts. Uh, Bio Ritmo Salsa Band, uh, No BS Brass Band. Uh, who start, got started by Lance Kohler, the drummer, and Reggie Pace. Reggie Pace was part of Bonnie Vare's band. He pl- he was on the Colbert Report years ago. Wow. Uh, Marcus Tenney, I got to, he was in my keyboard class, and I got to go to school with him. Oh, I was in school the same, well, we were in the same class, but I know Devon Harris was um, in school at the same time. They were already hanging, and I think Andy Rondazzo started after that. Um, and then the, they started um, a band called Butcher Brown that they got used, like one of their tunes got used for a Monday night football thing or something. <laughs> um, and even with them, the first guitar player, Keith Askey, he's from the beach. Um, and uh, we Virginia were, Beach, okay. Yeah, uh, he was from Virginia Beach, and uh, he was up at VCU. He was he had started while I was still in school, but Keith got a Grammy, I think, for recording 
re-recording that Isley Brothers Who's That Lady guitar riff for Who's Kendrick, That Lady? But for Kendrick's Eye Oh When he released um, um, What was it? Oh, what was the name of that album? It's escaping me. After Mad City, Kendrick released. Um, I should know this. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. That's Jesus, I mean. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. <laughs> yeah, but he won a Grammy for a Kendrick Lamar album. You know, wow. and Devon Harris, he was doing some recording with Jack White. You know. Um, and these are just songs that I know in like more of like a soul funk groove jammings I think um, like No BS Brass Band uh, they were playing festivals they've toured through Europe um, but then there's also like that's just the part that I keep up with you know what I'm saying because then there's yeah. a metal scene oh boy <laughs> I've been more involved with the hip hop scene a little bit over the past couple of years um you know just being around shows and meeting people um but you know like more of like the underground the cats who were coming out to rir and stuff and wow they've got some cool tunes coming out i gotta send you along one of my favorites or a couple of my favorites phd kari um jazz johnson does really cool stuff um mc correct these dudes but um but richmond has a lot of music it's like its own little universe of music man. Yeah. and they're heavy dudes too you know um then you've got um the food scene and that was like written up in one of those like fromers travel guides you know oh okay um, yeah i mean it was like u.s News World Report, or I don't know, big club like travel. And I can attest to that too. You know, my homeboy, uh, Chef Mike Ledesma, um, he's got, he was cooking at Hardshell Belgrade when I started there, uh, bartending. And I mean, he was doing genius things then. And then he was at this other joint uh, that I showed up to. And he hooked me up with some off-the-menu duck confit lumpia. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And let me just tell you, the flavor, it was like just what you said. Like, whoa. Like, black, like whoa. <laughs> wow. Duck yeah. confit. Wow. Duck confit lumpia. But yeah, man. But now he's got his own new place uh, called Perch over in Scott's Edition, which is a Richmond neighborhood. And um, I've had dinner there. I got to, he, he, he sat me at his chef's table. They got like an open kitchen, you know, with a bar set mm -hmm. up. And um, I was uh, there on a date actually. And he sat us up there. So I was like, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, but also just one of the nicest people on the planet. Um, then I, I had a birthday dinner at um, down at the BMFA where we started our walk. Um, oh, okay, yeah. Upstairs they've got a bougie uh, dining establishment called Muse or a Muse, um, and the chef there is named um, I think he was sous chef was uh, 
Addison and um and he hooked us up a little bit with some apps uh that he was doing with like a uh charcuterie plate and uh some friends uh that he had done i don't know there's a lot of crazy trips so is it the spice or is it the the name is it uh just the the ingredients what what makes it so just noteworthy and gives it that wow factor Wait, how, how do you mean the food in general the food scene well is it like uh is it known for its creativity like you go to one district in richmond and just the presentation changes or the, the flavors just i gotcha yeah wow. yeah i, I never mm. thought that these ingredients would work together but man they do like duck lumpia <laughs> well I mean, it, it is an extremely high level of execution. Oh, okay. Like the chefs who are in town really love cooking food and it shows. Um, yeah, really high level of execution because you've also got, um, you know, stuff at different price points on the menu, you know? Okay. Um, in different places obviously you know some places you know the barbecue joint um might pay a little less than um perch i don't know um but yeah it's just a a a wide variety of things um a wide variety of things that you can get like i could tell you about at least two or three different places to get good vietnamese pho or japanese ramen Mm. um or pizza, or, uh, or, oh, and Mexican food, yo. Mm. Oh, I don't, hey man, I live in Cali, and you know, we've been down to San Diego, and you, you, you saw proper Mexican food when you went down there, so I don't know about the Mexican food, but unless they, what's more, what's more, I've been to, I've had dinner at a taco truck in Pico, in Pico Rivera. Okay, yeah. And I can tell you that there, there is quality stuff. You know, I mean, um, mi hermanos y hermanas, they're here, man. They're making good things. <laughs> All right, man. All right. Now, it, th- this is great. I mean, uh, listeners, ladies and gentlemen, if you get a chance to uh, hit up Virginia or you're passing through from the D.C., Maryland area, definitely stop in Richmond and yeah, uh, get yeah get some culture get some to eat um, get some to eat yeah, there is you will probably if you are stopping through pick what you might want to eat and um there will be a dope spot to get something along those lines okay okay now this is a uh, solid gold from uh someone that's been in richmond for a minute and uh yeah, so I think we're going to dock here, Joe, but one of the things I do at the end for uh, my guests aboard the cruise ship is uh, I give them a chance to offer our listeners some words of wisdom. And given how deep uh, we got on this particular cruise and some of the just wisdom you were spewing, I'm really curious what your words of wisdom are going to be for our listeners. So hit me with your best shot. Words of wisdom. Words of wisdom. <laughs> if you want it to be about music, that's one thing. If you want it to be about 
bars. Okay. That's another thing. If you want it to be about just opening okay. up your heart to Richmond, hey, hit me with it. Man. Um... <laughs> I make you work on this this episode, man. Yeah, for real, dude. Why you gotta make me thinking stuff, yo? <laughs> I'm a thinker. I'm a thinker. Oh, and so now you're gonna drag me into your web. Yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> Can't get off the cruise ship without some words of wisdom, bro. No, I got you. Okay, so think about this. Okay, I got something that you might be able to use. Okay, so check it out. Um and it has to do with um, I don't know you know what my best words of wisdom are meditate there you go meditate learn to be able to sit and observe yourself and observe your breath every breath is different and that's what's pretty dope because, uh, yeah, meditation, that's pretty good. I wish it could be more profound, but. <laughs> no, hey, you man, know, that, that's great, Joe, because uh, one of the things I'm realizing is that when you really get the clarity in life, yeah. you start getting back to basics. And meditation is one of those back to basics things. Mindfulness, one of those back to basic things like mindful walking. I'm, I'm definitely tracking what you're putting down there because you, know, you go for a walk, you close your eyes, you listen to the sounds around you. It doesn't matter if you're yeah, in man. an industrial area or if you're in a nature area, you're going to hear all sorts of shit. And uh, same thing with uh, the breath. You're right. Every breath is different. And uh, yes. yeah, you, you start focusing on the body. I'm, I'm, I'm channeling my Tamara Levitt from the Calm app. You know, she's just a sweetheart, man. <laughs> you know, okay. she, 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 she talks about the breath a lot and then counting, you know, two, three, four, you know, breathing in, breathing out, and then exhaling two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You feel different. And there's a reason yeah. you feel different. You know what? That's the best word, too. It, you know, is even you can throw the word meditate out because right. meditate has, to me, it can be an intimidating word. Mm. I think that a lot of people think that it's supposed to be this big, spiritual, profound awakening, but really, it's just a chance to breathe, man, and uh, experience whatever is going on. Um, and so, breathe, breathe, breathe. I tell that to my students um, when they're having uh, when they're having issues with challenging passages, you know, note, chord, whatever. I always am telling them, don't forget to breathe. Don't forget to breathe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's now that you mention it, Joe. Our yeah. life journey. I think our life journey is about learning to breathe. We learn yeah. to breathe from our parents. We learn to breathe from our connections. We learn mm -hmm. to breathe in different ways. So you're right, Joe. And uh, meditation, I think, is just taking a step back, taking a moment to breathe, you know, to quiet the mind, to quiet the body, you know, to reflect, to do all these different things. So you're right. And I think some people go their whole damn lives not learning to breathe. You know, I oh, think there's, there's, there's fucking setbacks and, uh, you know, there's challenges. And I think we accumulate 
through failures and through encounters, uh, we accumulate opportunities to learn how to breathe through the mentors that cross our lives, through the people that we end up mentoring. You're a teacher. Guess what? You're a mentor. You know, you're trying to help people breathe uh, by slowing down and being willing to learn a song at 30 beats per minute or whatever it is on the metronome and they don't want to do that you know they want to breathe fast <gasps> it's like nah man you got to breathe yeah 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 you know you know what's funny and just so i can add this in real quick deborah my ex-wife pointed out to me years ago that i have a tendency of holding my breath mm. where i would breathe. and she would point out she's like breathe mm. and that you know um, but yeah, it always is going to come down to the breath, isn't it? Yeah. And I always tell people this in just career spaces and in just life spaces, uh, especially if you think about dating and uh, what it takes to really make a connection with someone. Guess what you have to do? Both people have to breathe because you can only hold your breath so long, you know, um, waiting to exhale. Yeah. Waiting to exhale. But when people yeah. are talking about am i am i really dealing with the real person it's like well early on in a relationship who knows because somebody's holding their breath and eventually they're gonna breathe right and uh -huh. when they breathe it's like did i make that connection or did i not make that connection do i really know who i'm dealing with so deep stuff here man i mean deep waters why goodness so thank you so much joe for hopping aboard the cruise ship uh i really appreciate our connection uh, i'm proud of you uh, for really fairly recently getting uh, comfortable in your own skin, you know, starting to really put things together mm -hmm, mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. your uh, journey. Uh, I really like your musical journey that you've uh, been on. And I like the fact that you're teaching people how to breathe, you know, <laughs> in their yeah, music. Yeah, so yeah. that's great, man. So we're docked and uh, hi, Deborah, if you're going to listen to this. And uh, again, Joe, thanks for hopping aboard. Thanks for showing off the Norfolk accent. Uh, <laughs> I've never really had it, but uh, you know, I uh, I don't know. I, I came from California, so I call myself a Southern Californian because you know Norfolk is a uh, Southern Virginia, and you know, I, I grew up in San Diego, which is a cultural melting pot. And I think uh -huh. uh, you know that whole San Diego experience just helped me appreciate yeah. diversity and helped me. Uh, connect with people because my dad was a connector you know he he could talk to oh. a lot of people you know oh, yeah talk to mm -hmm. a lot of people so uh yeah. again thanks for thanks for hopping aboard uh listeners i hope you, you enjoyed this this really uh interesting conversation with an old soul we really brought connections full circle captain caveman out